Welcome to Sam's Business Growth Show. I'm Sam Dunning, a digital marketing, sales, and business growth evangelist. Tune in and subscribe today as I'll be interviewing business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs from around the globe. You'll be learning their story, how digital marketing has helped them along the way, and exclusive tips and insights to help you skyrocket your own business. Hi everyone, and welcome back to a fresh episode of Sam's Business Growth Show. I'm delighted to be joined by Kate Lewis today. Kate's the CEO and co-founder at E4Enable, and she's also the Five on Friday, one of the UK coaches. Kate's been in technology sales for over 20 years now, uh, most of which in leadership roles. Her experience goes from zero employee startups to multinational PLCs. Her first startup was when digital marketing wasn't even a thing, so she's using fax machines and snail mail outs. Uh, E4 Enable is driven from Kate's passion for sales, coaching, development, built with the frustration of how organization-wide efforts fail, a haphazard, and a non-existent in the first place. Kate, a very warm welcome. How are you doing? I'm all right, thanks, Sam. Good to be on. Excellent. Good stuff. So looking forward to chatting with you today. Um, as always, uh, we'd love to know a little bit of your background, Kate, so a bit more about kind of where you grew up, some of the key businesses you've worked at, and if we could sneak in a few actionable tips along the way, be it a sales tip, marketing tip, or just business in general tip that you learned, and then we'll jump into learning a bit more about your own business, how you've built that up, and some of the recommended strategies you've got for gaining new pipeline, gaining new customers, be it digital or be it offline. Um, but if we could start with learning a bit more about yourself and your background, that'd be awesome. Yeah, cool. Um, okay, so I'm a plastic scouser. If you don't know what a plastic scouser is, I'm from the Wirral, so the other side of the Mersey, born and bred. Ah. Um, sometimes when I've had a few, my accent slips back into my scouser <laughs> accent, but, uh, but I've been around the block. So, um, so um, I started my career accidentally, I think, like most people in sales. Um, in, in Fujitsu, actually, at the time, I applied for a logistics role. Well, it was ICL at the time. I applied for logistics, okay. and they, they wrote back to me and went, nah, you don't want to do logistics. You want to do sales. <laughs> and I just, at the time, went, okay. Um, and uh, so joined their grad program, um, worked worked there for, for a couple of years, traveled the world to get that out of my system. Um, nice. Was that wealth selling or...? No, no. I, I decided after a couple of years at Fujitsu to, to quit and just get that out of my yeah. system because I'd always wanted to travel. So um, never be afraid to do that. I think it gives you some real life experiences and, uh, and, and, and sets you on your way, something chronic. Um, I, then, I then ran um, a business with, uh, with my brother. Uh, and family for for 10 years and I exited that when uh, when I had kids just to go my own way okay what was the business um, doing Kate so so this is <laughs> this is what takes me back to those facts and snail mail days so yeah. the business started out as uh, an e-commerce development organization and web design company right so we're talking 1999 this is me showing my age now um, so this was pre this this was pre everybody kind of having a website e-commerce yeah. was just kind of just taking off and we were specializing in sort of small organizations getting them on their journey um, to web and then throughout that journey migrated into um, the NHS and doing tracking and online systems for the NHS which eventually took MSoft to the journey of doing would you believe it 
blood tracking and sample tracking throughout the oh, NHS. Wow. There's some really okay. serious stuff in hospitals mm. um, and, and, and is still doing very well in that today. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was a, a great 10 years. I, I did so much in that 10 years. Sales and marketing, gosh, running support and dev teams, doing the selling, managing the selling, all, all manner of things, as you would expect in, in a startup at that stage. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, especially being the same arena that I'm in. So started as kind of websites, e-commerce, and then progressed to getting clients like the NHS. Yeah, and Moving absolutely. on to stuff like blood tracking. Yeah. So uh, was that just a case of the demand came in? So you, you picked up these clients and then they kind of said, well, look, we need help with these systems. And then it moved on to that stuff or... Yeah, I think I think actually that marries to something I've learned all the way and, and something I learned then. Um, and that's just being really interested in your clients. And when you're really interested in a topic and you're really interested in solving the challenges, that takes you on a natural journey. So yeah. I was I was interested in in taking people online. Okay. And that obviously started with having conversations with I don't know, car dealerships and local restaurants and, and organizations like that. But that passion of, of how you do that and the journey you take ended up working with NHS trusts and local authorities on how they make their journey to, to taking advantage of what, what online and, and the internet could do for them. Awesome. Um, and, and so that, that real interest in your customer, in your pro their, their problems was, was just a, a massive lesson for me. Got it. Got it. And is that just in terms of when you say being interested, Kate, is that just having good conversations, asking the right kind of questions just to, to understand how the business works, what they're actually interested in in terms of their own goals from a, from a business perspective and where they want to get to sales and revenue wise and that kind of stuff? Or is it something a bit different? I think it's twofold. I'd summarize everything you've just talked about in into the word curiosity. OK. Being genuinely curious and, and not afraid to go, why do you do that? And, and if that doesn't happen, what else happens? And does that happen every time? Or is there occasionally when that doesn't, you know, just genuinely a natural curiosity for elements. And then if you can find a passion with what you sell and, and how, you know, and, and how you solve those challenges that you uncover or those goals and alignment, and it doesn't matter whether you're selling bricks or you're selling postcode software or, or tracking systems or e-commerce websites. It's about understanding from your curiosity how much that means to the customers you're talking to. And if you can make that connection and make it internally, then you can drive the passion for what you're selling. And those two things coupled together show, like genuinely show to your clients and they'll as much buy into you as they will into your product, your solution, your company. Got it. Awesome. Now that, that makes perfect sense. And so we talked about on your intro that we're using some traditional techniques, so faxes, snail mail and, and stuff like that. Is that is that how you're acquiring clients for, for that company, Kate? Yeah, God, we used to do fax outs. So like, lots of you will, will know kind of mass mailings. We used to take a really targeted audience and, and do something like, you know, there might be a local authority that was doing a a grant for, for, for helping people get online or do something digital or there might be a case study or something and we would literally do an automated fax out through companies and if they were interested they'd fax back <laughs> and even though we were doing you know e-commerce and websites and everything 
that was the communication because it was the way that our clients were communicating with us because they hadn't yet taken that step into that journey. So again, just a really interesting uh, way of doing things. But um, I haven't seen sight nor sound of a fax machine for many years now. <laughs> no, that's it. Okay. And then that went on for about 10 years. And then did you say the business got acquired or got sold? Or? Yeah, no, I, I exited the business. So the business okay. is still still running. I exited the business because awesome. I was at the time I'd, I'd had my second child and, and ah. decided to go and do something different. So I launched out of um, a, uh, a very small kind of niche company into then a very big company. So I then went into Experian. Um, Got it, into huge a, company. Of All right. Experian, absolutely. So big global player with, again, a whole lot more to learn in terms of the differences in in bootstrapping and running things yourself and doing lots of, lots of things into running into a multi-departmental global paper processes, red tape departments, all of that kind of complexity that, that came with that new role. Were there skills that you could transfer that you picked up from running your own business for 10 years or so that you could move into a massive giant like Experian? Yeah, I think probably self-sufficiency and, and that curiosity and passion, bringing yeah. that to it. But, but that self-sufficiency, not ever expecting to be spoon fed or have somebody else do it for you. And that can be a little bit of a blessing and a curse because in some ways you have to wait for somebody else to do it for you in a large organization. But just getting on with it um, was was a, a huge benefit, I think, to moving into that so that, that avenue. Yeah, got it. And was it mainly sales you were doing at Experiment? Was it a sales-based role or management-based role? Yeah, yeah sales yeah. and then management, yeah. Got it. Okay. And um, are there any tips you could share for people tuning in in terms of what you picked up from, from that side of things in terms of perhaps – Perhaps on sales management, is that something we sometimes like to cover um, mm. in terms of lessons learned or unusual strategies that you've found have been quite useful to be able to manage sales teams? As we know, it's, it's not always easy to, to manage salespeople as they can have a mix of kind of high egos or they can be difficult to tame and all this, all these kind of cliches we know around sales reps. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I guess the first thing I would say is don't, don't always think that you have a linear path into management. So, you know, I'd run a company for 10 years and, and recognized to move into a larger organization, I needed to do something differently. So I stepped back into direct frontline sales and then was okay. able to rapidly move forward into management because I was able to, to kind of use my skills. So it, it isn't a linear path in, into management um, uh, at all. Um, the, the, the second aspect, I would say, on, on the management is it's not for everybody. It is not the be all and end all of what you think your next career step would be. Um, and that sort of falls into one of your questions there, Sam, which is like, we all know that salespeople can be, be challenging. You have to want a passion for developing and tapping into everybody's individual goals, what yep. drives them, you know, overcome, help them. You have to realize and go from a quota bearing role when it's all about you to a management role where it has to be all about them. Um, to be successful so you, you've got to want to do that and you've got to have that kind of passion and drive in you and again it's not for everybody so so be aware of that when you're moving into that role um, did you yeah just on that point kate so i've talked to some people and they've had different ways of motivating their team um so for example we had morgan ingram on a while ago and he said that he would speak to reps and he'd actually say um look how do you like to take feedback do you like me to be direct or do you like me to be a bit softer? 
and kind of give you more long-term goals or different different ways of talking to different people so you'd actually understand how they'd like to take feedback be it negative or positive and then work with that on that way or did you did you have your own ways of kind of dealing with each person or did you have certain strategies to to give people feedback or to kind of if they weren't on target for example to to perk them up or to give them a motivation boost and that kind of stuff yeah my first thing would be you know one size does not fit all gosh that's a fundamental thing in terms of motivating so for me it was all about finding out what motivates each individual mm. um and that is is then how you tap into that conversation because if everything comes back to what is it that you want to achieve not what i want you to achieve you know my targets are pushed on you that's that just saying that you've got to hit a target is not not what's going to motivate you to do so understanding why you want to hit that target what's in it for you what's important yeah. for you is unbelievably important for me certainly and it's always been my style if i can tap into that then that's the journey the path that will take for each individual and and almost the feedback drives off that now yes their personality comes into it i found with some people i can have really blunt conversations like i need to tell you how you're perceived in this business because it's impacting your ability to get to where you want to be and your why and your goal. Yeah. And, and, and you may not be aware of that because too many people before you haven't even cared enough to go into that level of detail versus others that you can just go, you know, I know you want to achieve that. So I'm just going to feed that beast and, and they'll go for it. So it, it's, you know, peel back the layers to understand the why and don't listen to the first why people get taught to, regurgitate what they think they ought to say you know my why is I want to buy a Rolex by the end of the year okay what why is that important to you what does that make you feel if you fast forward to a year and you got that Rolex how would that make you feel does, does, is there something driving that behavior is it something you've always wanted because more often than not you'll find that people just say what the person next to them has talked about or what they think salespeople ought to be Sure. And, and we've got to realize that salespeople come in all shapes and sizes and different things motivate them. And motivation by money or big, shiny objects is not actually for everybody. You know, it might be for others that they've got something to prove or that they're, you know, they're self-driven, they're, they're competitive with themselves, or they, they just want to be unbelievably proud of what they've achieved or they want a career move. Yeah, it sounds like just digging a little deeper, really, not not yeah. taking everything for face value and then just getting getting to the kind of root root of why they want it that's that's a great point never really thought of that like that it's, okay it's interesting in sales we get taught all the time to probe our clients or prospects mm. for what their problems are to really look at the implications and ask loads of questions but very rarely do we get taught to do that with with people in our team or or how we coach people and and i'd say the same type of skills that curiosity and that passion is is just as well uh, sort of brought into uh, into coaching and sales management as it is into sales itself great stuff okay so after experience was it ncc group was that that the next yeah i took my my leap into uh, the world of security um and that is fascinating and that's something you can get massively massively uh, curious about um, interesting world for salespeople because, you know, you're selling to massively um, brilliant subject matter experts. So, so you have to know enough about what you're selling. You have to be curious enough, but you also have to know that you're worlds apart from the person you're talking to in terms of their knowledge about their subject matter. 
Um, and so that teaches you to, to delve into kind of like the, the, the questioning areas really, really, really uniquely, I think, in, in that. Mm, okay. So this was, this was, was it a new sector for you, security, at the time? Something. Yeah, I mean, from experience, you get a, a, an opening to it because data security is, is hugely important um, from that perspective. So the, the 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 kind of data confidentiality aspects, but it, but the gosh, the tech, technical aspects of it were was was new to me. It's a huge learning curve. Loved it. I was going to say, yeah, it sounds well above my head. I mean, in terms of that side of things, if someone tuning in is thinking of going into a new industry or they have just started a new industry, that cap is perhaps very technical or there's a lot to it or something they don't quite understand. How Have you got any tips, Kate, on how they can break into it and how they can perhaps not sound like they're an amateur or something with their prospects? Is it just about asking more questions or is it about asking the right questions or something a bit different? Um, again, comes back to curiosity and, and not being embarrassed. I see too many salespeople sit in a room and just think, oh, gosh, I should know that acronym, so I'm not going to mm. ask. You're much better. You won't sound stupid if you just say, I don't, sorry, can somebody just explain to me what that means? I, I'm not quite sure. Um, you know, I spent ages just when I first joined um, thinking PCI, what's PCI mean? What's P Now, Google is a wonderful thing. Obviously, you can Google it, but I just should have asked in the first instance. Yeah. Um, so, so there's that, but also rely on the people around you. Gosh, learning from your peers, learning from your pre-sales, you know, they are brilliant. And I'm generally more than happy to spend time explaining things, running through things, letting you shadow them. And that's where I picked up so much of mine, both, you know, from NCC and then I went, when I went into a vector, just sitting within them and, and asking loads of questions and being that annoying person that just was wanting to dig deeper into what they were talking about. Great, yeah, great piece of advice. I mean, one of the, one of the reasons I started this show so I could learn from everyone that comes on, share that with the audience pick up plenty of tips on sales, business growth, and digital marketing along the way. So if you've got that within your organization, you've got people that already know the stuff, that are already doing well, be it in sales, be it in leadership, whatever, might as well mirror them yeah. or get get the info from them. That makes perfect sense. Okay, so the next step was a vector. Before we, and then we had Beyond Trust after that. Um, so I mean, kind of moving forward a little bit faster, are there any, any more experiences before we talk about E4 Enable, Kate, before we shoot onto that, are there any... Um, any more experiences that are worth us discussing, be it lessons learned in sales or, or marketing or business in general, before we go on to your current co? Yeah, I mean, I, culture um, is a huge thing for me. And I think um, Avecto was one of those organizations that just had an awesome culture. You know, it, it, it had the space to allow their salespeople to grow. It was supportive. It, it had a, a, an understanding that things can take time even though there's obviously pressures on the number um and and really tapped into um believing in and buying into their salespeople. so so put put an enormous amount behind that and and i would pick culture probably over market over anything any day when i was selecting an organization to go work for i think okay. that's my biggest lesson that i would say and, and something that you know i just loved every single minute of, of, of kind of my Abecto Beyond Trust journey. Okay, so why do you think culture is, is so important? Because it's something we've not talked about too much on the show just yet. Why do I think culture? Well, it, it again, it taps into your own personal motivation. Um, it's somewhere where, you know, you spend an enormous amount of time at work and we can't all do 
you know, wake up one morning and do the thing we're passionate about and, you know, swim with whales every day because that's what we've always wanted to do as a child. It's not something that that is is available to everybody. And so the second to that is the culture, the people, the organization you surround yourself with um, and understanding enough about yourself and understanding the type of culture that you want to be surrounded by. It enables people to grow and accelerate their growth. And it is a massive acceleration factor. So if you if you can get that alignment right, then then the world's your oyster in terms of that organization, because it will really fuel you. Got it. Is that something you've tried to put in place for your own company in terms of the culture yeah. of things? Absolutely, absolutely. And and a lot again that I learned in, you know, in my days at Vector and Beyond Trust, you know, leading with coaching, leading with um, a, a coaching culture being being realistic about expectations on people um listening to the whole person not just thinking they're a number all of those things are, are hugely important to us great stuff okay well let's let's move on let's talk a bit more about your your current company now e4 enable uh kate share with us a bit more about why you decided to to take the leap and go off on your own and start your own company and um talk us through kind of how it was setting up and if it was easy if it was a smooth ride or if it was quite a tricky tricky things to take the leap yeah okay um so it was again it was born out of a passion i've got so i'm passionate about coaching passionate about a development culture um passionate about you know moving forward and, and not salespeople not just being a number the problem is that's really really hard to do at an organizational wide, wide level you'll find individuals will will coach they'll coach in different ways they'll coach to different things um when you invest massive amounts in training you know, are, is there a structured coaching program that sits off the back of that? Are you able to drive the results you're looking for? It's just a myriad of spreadsheets and Word documents and emails and finger in the air, hope and a prayer. Um, and, and that's always massively frustrating. And I've, I've been on the personal end of that frustration. You know, I've, I've delivered training and then thought, right, what happens next? Nobody's actually taking this forward. What? How are we going to change that? Um, and I couldn't find something that suited myself and suited what I would what ideally want so um, the only option available to me was to create it and again it was something that I was hugely passionate about so everything that you know went into here's what I would want as a as a senior sales leader as a VP to to, to drive a culture of coaching and accountability uh, and performance improvement across my business so e for enable was born uh, essentially great stuff um, okay yeah, so it sounds like something you, you kind of saw a gap, and you also it, it's it's kind of like scratching your own itch. It sounds like the pain that was there and yeah. um, making it happen uh, from that. Absolutely, absolutely, and and you know we we took the leap, um, but but in a very bootstrap way. So um, you know the platform was in development and in beta for a year before I le le like took the leap and and, and went full time into it. Um, and then, and then from there, it's it's really been growing the the brand, growing the awareness for the brands, utilizing digital marketing, social media, digital channels to to kind of get the message out there. Um, all in the wake of a global pandemic, which has been super. Um, didn't plan for that, so that's a lesson lesson in crisis management, <laughs> um, and 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 how to react with that. But. Um, uh, prag pragmatism has played a huge part in that um, but but you know for me it's just all, all the way along the belief and the passion in again 
making a difference to my clients, being really curious about what they're doing and how we can help them on their journey. Um, and and in, in doing so, that bleeds into, you know, the people in the team that we've taken on board um, as, we, as we've built the business out over the last kind of 12 months. So Great stuff. Great stuff. And glad to hear it's, it's going well. So in terms of starting, Kate, did you have a, a list of clients ready to rock and roll? Um, were you kind of building something up on the side whilst, whilst it was going on? Or did you go in fresh and think, I'm just going to hit it from the ground running and uh, try and generate, generate business this way? Or did you have kind of a plan before you went all in? We had a couple of beta clients, um, again, that, that were, were organizations we knew okay. um, that, that were very aligned to, to, to kind of my way of thinking. And they were able to beta it before, before I then uh, went lock, stock and barrel. So learned a lot through that process. Um, and then, you know, that, that realization that everybody needs this and that just that real belief, um, fueled then, you know, me driving in and, and then I don't think if I look back, we didn't have a list of, of potential prospects and clients, but we did have a very, very clear identified customer profile. So we, we knew our buying center. We knew what a perfect customer would be. We knew the challenges that would, would be looked at from different lenses within that organization, whether you were talking to somebody from sales enablement, sales training, a senior sales leader, an SDR leader, somebody in sales ops. We had a very clear picture of each of those kind of personas and like say the organizational um, perfect fit. And, and in doing that, we were then able to craft how we went to market to, to target each of those both personas with the right messaging, but also the organizations. Great. Okay. So you sorted out your idle customer profile. You nailed that down a tree, it sounds like. Nailed it. Um, so how did you go about targeting them? How have you gone about generating pipeline? Um, perhaps you could talk us through some of the offline strategies that have worked for you and perhaps some of the, the digital ones as well, Kate, that you've had success with. Yeah, absolutely. We have a very blended approach. Um, so in terms of brand awareness, LinkedIn and social media is a, is a huge one. You know, um, I wouldn't say I have a personal brand per se, but but I've always been very vocal around coaching, um, enablement, you know, and, and, and a different way to lead salespeople. Um, and I'm, I'm, I voice that uh, on LinkedIn. I've got involved with various things, whether it's doing podcasts, whether it's doing five on Friday, because that really marriage it sort of marries to my ethos of coaching and development. So it was around kind of evangelizing the message without talking any features whatsoever of, of our platform as a technical platform. It was all about the challenges we solve uh, and, and, and getting into that common way of thinking of our client and, and triggering a reaction. So, so social media and brand awareness there. Uh, digital marketing, we've done a blend of, of paid for advertising. So, so okay. again, super targeted. So looking again at that buying persona, at the type of things that they're interested in, even the type of groups people follow and, and understanding that, that that will trigger the right, you know, the right response and interaction. So very, very targeted with the right media uh, and and interest to create those inbound um, nice. strategies. Believe. Was that like LinkedIn ads or Facebook ads or Google ads or a mix perhaps? Yeah, link, LinkedIn and, and Google. Um, LinkedIn, they're at an earlier stage of their cycle because it might be that they just they they see the white paper and think that's interesting. Sure. Google, they're a little bit further down the lead cycle, 
um, because they're saying, I am looking for this. And that's where they start seeing those. So we, we see a slight difference uh, across the, both the size and the impact of, uh, of, of and, and maturity of those leads. Um, but as I say, we do Google, we do LinkedIn um, um, and, and have quite a targeted strategy on LinkedIn. Um, and then we've done email as well. So again, targeted email outreach. Um, we started pre pre COVID. We put we put a pause on that um, actually, okay. and, and and have changed our our focus because at the beginning of COVID we were then or before just before the beginning of COVID we we then blended that with an outbound pro program through some SDRs. All right. Okay. So yeah. so that meant that we could be much more personalised in our outreach rather than looking at kind of mass sequence standardized email um which hmm. is it has mixed results sure and is there one channel kate that you'd say is giving you the best success in terms of opportunities in terms of leads yeah i'd probably say the blend the blend between the linkedin very targeted uh ads but with a, a very um good follow-up from our sdr team to, okay. to, to tailor that and qualify and take them to the next stage of that journey. Yeah. Can you give us a quick snapshot of um, what your follow-up process is once a lead comes in from LinkedIn as just a, a quick idea, because I know we could talk about that quite a while. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So um, our, our call to action on LinkedIn is generally to download a white paper. That white paper is very, you know, LinkedIn, if you like, to our way of thinking and, and generally is something around sales competencies or, or leading and lag indicators. Um, and, and some of the research that we're able to, uh, to produce from our platform. Um, within, within 24 hours, they'll, they'll have a follow-up from an SDR, but not on a, we're trying to sell you something very much on a what piqued your interest. You know, yeah. we're interested to be on this journey. What, what else can we help you with along that journey? Um, and then ultimately that will be go into a, a, a kind of cadence that will, or a sequence, not of an automated email, but of a, of a keep in touch contact to make sure that we're aligning to the buyer's journey where they are in their in their kind of cycle versus where we want them to be and that's a clear distinction i would say got it got it no that's that's interesting not not many guests that we've had on have actually mentioned linkedin ads um we had we had it mentioned a long time ago so it's good to hear that it is it's is something it is a channel that's that's working well for you and um also on the white paper side of things because i think sometimes they they can be kind of real good opportunities and others like you say they could be lower down in the buying cycle yeah. they need to be worked a bit more nurtured and yeah distributed they, they do. Time. Yeah, absolutely and but it gives you the opportunity to start building a relationship really all in that cycle and start influencing the outcomes you know the last thing that you want to do is be invited into an rfp just it's, you're way too late but if you can be influencing the thought process of what goes into that rfp three or six months earlier you actually start influencing the way people are thinking and the, and the things they think must be in the rfp so i'd much rather be on a journey with our prospects and understanding what they're trying to achieve and map to their process than i would to try to squeeze them down a standardized funnel that's interesting and did you say the cadences or the emails follow-ups that you send them are, are more personalized rather than kind of templates that are yeah, they're not they're not templated. Yeah, they're not templated. We've been down that route. It 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 doesn't look pretty, I would say. And you end up with, you know, multiple people in the same organization getting just a very samey uh, outlook. So I'd much prefer them to be personalized. 
not to the extent where everybody's spending three hours researching to get one email at the door. That's crazy. But you can you can create a hyper personalized approach in five minutes by looking at just just having your key things that you're looking out for um, within something. Uh, and if you can't keep it really brief. Sure. Um, Makes sense. Get to the point. Yeah. Cool. All right, Kate. Well, um, yeah, we've covered some good ground so far. For anyone that is tuning in that is thinking of going out on their own, that wants to, to start their own business or their own company, have you got any words of wisdom or any golden nuggets of, nuggets of advice that might help them in their early days? Yeah, keep the goal in mind, but run every day um, as, as its own day. Don't get hit by, by the ups and downs on a daily basis, otherwise you'll go stir crazy. You know, keep that belief in play. Um, seek feedback and seek feedback consistently and constantly i would say and and don't be afraid to go where your journey takes you rather than you know having a i will not deviate from this path would be some of my the things i've picked up at, perhaps uh, along my career yeah sure that's that's some good tips and when you say feedback do you mean from your customers your clients or from your team or both everything everywhere you can get it Get it um, clients, yeah, clients, absolutely. Prospects, hugely. Yeah. Um, but, you're, you know, I, I'll get feedback from my SDRs as much as I will from my co-founders or board members, um, as much as I will from, from you know, colleagues and mentors that, that I've had in, in, in previous roles. So, yeah, definitely. Cool. And before we wrap things up, Kate, let's talk a little bit about Five on Friday. So for anyone that's not heard of that yet, can you give us a quick snapshot of what that's about how it helps and maybe a few things that you've learned or that other people have learned from, from you guys doing that. Yeah, absolutely. So Five on Friday um, was built by a, an, an, a concept by the US um, and they wanted to bring it over to uh, to the UK because um, it's been hugely successful out there and give the opportunity to really coach and develop salespeople um, and, and hone their skills and give a kind of safe place where they can access training and coaching without it costing anything or without you know you know perhaps their organization being in a position where they can put this on so um i've got my kind of co-hosts Cossus and alex um and we will have guest coaches on um as we go but but we've seen some great you know sdrs from people who are three weeks into the role and already looking to seek feedback and grow and develop right the way through to people who've been doing it for a couple of years. And we've got some people coming on in the future that have been doing it longer than that. Um, so it's just a really good opportunity to, to get different perspectives. But it's something that, you know, we are really passionate about, which is which is given the opportunity for people to learn and grow. Great incentive. Yeah, really, really good. How can people, if, if anyone's tuning in that's interested in having that coaching, how can they get in touch Kate or how can they apply to go on five on okay. Friday yeah so you can reach out you know just send um me Costas or Alex a, a message via LinkedIn um go to the five on Friday LinkedIn page uh or go to five on Friday dot live to to apply via the website sweet okay and Kate is there one thing that people or businesses should be doing with digital marketing that is going to help them generate more pipeline from today for me, it's about being targeted and getting your audience right. You know, digital marketing is, is absolutely fantastic, but know your audience and craft content and approaches that your audience want to consume and will resonate with 
rather than a scattergun approach um, would be probably my biggest piece of uh, learning that I've, I've uh, worked through. Love that. Yep. Targeting is very, very important indeed. Well, everyone, you've been tuning into Sam's Business Growth Show, where we sit down with business leaders, experts and entrepreneurs from around the globe. We find out their story, how digital marketing has helped along the way and their exclusive tips and insights to help you skyrocket yourselves and your business. Kate, we'd like to ask everyone that comes on if you could thank just one person, either dead or alive, having a positive influence on yourself and your career. Who would that be and why? My dad would be um, the person that I would label that. Um, he always taught me that you don't have to have the glory. It's you can you can help and support others to achieve their glory. And, and that's as rewarding as achieving it yourself. Really like that. Awesome. Kate, tell us a bit more about your company and the best way people can get in touch with yourself and how they can learn from you and connect with you. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. E4Enable is a, a technology platform that helps organizations define, develop and measure what good looks like. So define the right sales competencies, develop them from onboarding, through training, through coaching, uh, through mentoring, and then measure the leading indicators that that's impacting so that you've got a clear ROI. Um, they can reach us at www.eforenable.com, uh, on LinkedIn at eforenable, Twitter at eforenable, or just reach out to me directly. Awesome. Thank you so much, everyone. If you've enjoyed the show, please do subscribe on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, wherever you catch your podcast. We interview tons of business leaders, experts and entrepreneurs from around the globe. So feel free to subscribe. We'll end the show there. Thank you very much, Kate. Are you tired of constantly hunting for new customers? You could be missing out on regular inbound opportunities, all because your website isn't on the first page of Google. Perhaps you're already spending lots of money on advertising but your website is failing to convert all of your hard-earned visitors into a consistent flow of new customers. If you'd like to learn more about our unusual approach that brings idle clients straight to you, connect with Sam Dunning on LinkedIn or book a free 20-minute consultation via webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. Subscribe today for more digital marketing, sales and business growth tips from the experts.